Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. Well, what I want to do this morning is pick up where Rich left us last week. If you remember, he explained to us that love for God is very much the result of looking to God. It's not generated by looking inwards so much as by looking upwards. And really, the psalm we've just read very much amplifies that whole message. It's this wonderful appeal to seek the presence of God above all else. Commenting on this particular psalm, Tim Keller writes this. He says, all money, talent, health, power and pleasure in the world are God's. But the greatest treasure he can give us is life in his presence his face not the gifts of his hands though they are welcome his face is where we find the glory that other things fail to provide and to that end this morning i simply want to encourage you once again to look to god won't you seek his face when you learn to live or abide more and more and more in his presence. Now, I should say, just to be clear, that actually all of life is lived in God's presence, whether we like it or not. The theological way of putting it is God is omnipresent. In other words, he's present everywhere. The reality is there is nowhere where God is not. And so, if we at any point feel distant from God or lack experience of God's presence, on one level, the problem is simply one of awareness. It's not so much that God is absent as we're absent. We're on our phone and we have a great Wi-Fi connection, or we're on Netflix, or we're just busy, or we've got our hands full with our kids. We're just not present to the moment. It's like we're so easily distracted. And so one of the things we're doing through the summer as we look at these psalms is we're trying to retrain or perhaps train for the first time our minds to come back to the moment to come back to the present and above all come back to God who is not just around you but in the teaching of Jesus is actually in you if you remember There was that famous occasion, wasn't there, where Jesus said to his father that I am in them, speaking of his followers, and you are in me. And he then goes on to invite us to abide in him. And so what we're doing as we dig deeper into these Psalms is attempting to find ways to experience practically what is true of us theologically. You see, The New Testament, from beginning to end, is crystal clear that we are in Christ and he is in us. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just believe that. I want to experience the reality of that in day-to-day life. I want to become more and more aware of the reality that I am in Christ and he is in me. I want to learn more of what it is to abide in him. Now, 
All that being said, understanding the omnipresence of God, that's a great place to start, but it doesn't quite explain everything, does it? Like, it doesn't explain why there are times when we pray for the sick and they're gloriously healed, and then there are other times when they seem to get worse. It doesn't explain why we can sing a worship song and feel like God's presence is really close, pressing in on us, and we're just overwhelmed. And then other times we can sing the exact same song and our heart is right, there's not sin in our life, but we're here, we're present, but we just don't feel anything. doesn't explain why there can be whole seasons where we just don't sense God's presence. In fact, there are really hard seasons when we spend time in prayer and we meet with the church and it feels more like absence than presence. But what we're going to be seeing as we keep working through these psalms over the next few weeks is that God can use these times to do a deep work in us that leads over time to a richer experience of his presence. And just so you know, over the next few weeks, we'll be looking very practically at how to seek God in the midst of suffering and loneliness and times when we're simply overwhelmed with worry and anxiety. But for now, what I want to underline is that these seasons where God feels distant point to this other aspect that theologians call the manifest presence of God. Just meaning that there are times and there are places when God manifests or makes himself felt in a way that is more acute than at other times. It's like the picture we get here in Psalm 24 is of a face very much turned towards us. And so, having explained all of that, I think we're now finally ready to work our way through this psalm. First two verses, they speak of God's omnipresence. Verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the foundations of the earth on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. The earth is the Lord's. Everywhere we go is God's. There is nowhere where God is not. That is the omnipresence of God. And then the rest of the psalm is about the manifest presence of God. Verse 3, the psalmist says, who may climb the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy presence? or in the Holy of Holies. That's where the ark, the locus point of God's presence, actually was. Now, just to say, at David's point in the story, that was very much a rhetorical question. And the answer was, the high priest, once a year. He was the only one who was allowed into the holy place, into the Holy of Holies. And even he was allowed in only once a year. But that is not what David says here. Verse 5, he says, only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who may enter the holy of holies, who may stand in his holy place, only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their saviour. Now, David is famous 
for living out the new covenant right in the middle of the old one. David lived about a thousand years before Jesus' resurrection and ascension to the right hand of the Father and the subsequent pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And the New Testament is very clear that our relationship and our experience of the Holy Spirit today is very, very, very different from an ancient Israelite's. Paul says, your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. He also says that the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which incidentally is one of the reasons why it's so important that we gather together. God is present in a special way when the church meets together, which is why watching on a screen, although really useful after the 15 or 16 months we've just had, it isn't actually enough and why we're making a big noise right now about gathering together again being physically present because there the presence of God is most acutely felt but it wasn't always this way what we take for granted today a pretty blase flippant about now it's a gift from God that wasn't the norm for those who lived before Jesus but David was anointed by the prophet Samuel and his experience of the Holy Spirit was in some respects similar to ours today. So if you like he's living out ahead of time what would one day be true for all God's people. He's living out an advanced sign of what is to come which is why he goes on to say in verse 6 such people may seek you and worship in your presence O God of Jacob. And really, this is where we come to the key idea of this psalm. Such people may seek, search for, look for, ask for, call out for, discover or pursue and go after the face of God, his manifest presence. And this seeking, searching after God is a repeated theme throughout the Psalms. For example, Psalm 27, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Hear me as I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Or Psalm 40. But may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, the Lord is great. Or Psalm 63, personal favourite of mine. O oh God, you are my God. I am earnestly search for you in other words with passion with desire intentionality zeal i earnestly search for you my soul thirsts for you my whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water i've seen you in your sanctuary gazed upon your power and glory your unfailing love is better than life itself how i praise you I'll praise you 
as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I'll praise you with songs of joy. And it's used by Jeremiah the prophet for the people of God in exile. In chapter 29, verse 12, it says, In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly, not when you can fit God in, no, wholeheartedly. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. Or there's Isaiah 55. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It is all free. Why spend your money on food that doesn't give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. I just want you to notice in every one of those examples, and those were just a few, there are dozens more I could have read. Notice that in each of them, it's a command. Seek God. Pursue God. Look for God wholeheartedly. Go after God with all you've got. As the writer A.W. Tozer put it, I want to encourage mighty longing after God. The lack of it has brought us to our present lowest state. Complacency is the deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there'll be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Too bad that for many of us, he waits so very long in vain. Now look, I'm aware in all of this, we have our own preferences, don't we? Some of us are more charismatic, some are more contemplative. Some prefer the loud roar, others the space to sit and be quiet by ourselves. Some prefer an emphasis on the mind, others focus more on emotion, some prefer liturgy, others spontaneity. But through all this, preferences are merely the starting point, not the end point. We all come to Jesus with our preferences, with our personality, the way we're wired. But in order to experience more of him, I think we need to expand our capacity to interact with God and with other people in ways that don't always come naturally to us. We've got to allow Jesus to do a deep work in us and grow us through both time alone and time together, through our mind and through our emotions, through discipline and spontaneity, through both contemplation and celebration. We need both and if we're to truly seek God and experience more of him. You know, so easy, isn't it, to just go through the motions 
in our relationship with God, especially for those of us who have been Christians for many years now. We perhaps have our daily routine of reading the Bible and praying. We join our community group whenever we can. We gather on Sundays, all of which is good, but we can do all the right things without a posture of seeking the face of God. You can read the Bible every day and still not seek the face of God. You can gather in homes or on the building every Sunday, but still not seek the face of God. You can pray and still not seek the face of God. Really, all of these different activities are means to an end, and the end is encountering God, being changed to become more like him and then carrying the presence and the goodness of God to the people around us. But for that to happen, we need to overcome the twin temptation of complacency and compromise. You know, I think one of the main battles right now is with the complacency of convenience. You see, everything around us is designed to make life easy, which Incidentally, I think is one of the reasons why the last 12 months have been so disorientating for so many of us, because suddenly we've been faced up with the reality that life isn't easy. Not even life with God is easy. And all those years back, David was acutely aware of this. That's why in verse 3, he likened seeking God's face to climbing a mountain. You know, to know God's presence is a real struggle at times. It's not something we just drift into. It's not something we stumble into passively. No, it requires effort. It's inconvenient at times. It requires great sacrifice. It is hard work. But at the same time, just like the view when you get to the top of a mountain, seeing God is always worth it. So we need to overcome complacency we also need to overcome compromise. David couldn't be a whole lot clearer in verse 4 that only those whose hands and hearts are pure get relationship with God and experience his presence. Clean hands is to do with external holiness, what you do with your body. There's no immorality, injustice, compromise. Pure heart, it's more about internal holiness it's wrapped up with your thinking, your feelings, your desires. It's what you think about, what you feel, what you want. If you remember Jesus famously put it like this, blessed, happy, satisfied are the pure in heart for they, those are the ones who will see God. I don't think there's any way around the fact that there's this direct link is there's this close correlation between our level of holiness and our level of experience of the presence of God. It's not because we're earning God's favour and love, of course not. We, we have that through the finished work of Christ on the cross. Our standing with God from start to finish is always and everywhere down to his grace. But nonetheless, there's still something that there's still this direct link between how holy you are and how much you will likely experience God's presence. And so I simply want to close this out by inviting you to consecrate yourselves afresh to God. 
to free yourself from things that get in the way of pursuing God's face, whether it's the pursuit of other pleasures, pursuit of autonomy, pursuit of an easy life, passivity, whatever it is, won't you free yourself from those things by repenting, turning from living for those things and now living instead for the greatest treasure of all, life in abundance in the presence of God, knowing him and seeing his face. And then living as a prophetic witness of the presence and the goodness of God to your friends, to your family, to your colleagues, to your neighbours, to this city and beyond.